Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go uh, look at our first value today. DNA talks about what you are going to look like. Okay, that's what DNA does. And we, as a church, are looking at these scriptures, these values, and the point of doing that is to be shaped, to look different. We're not just opening up the Bible because that's what you do and reading it because that's what you do as a Christian, but we're coming to Scripture this morning expected, expecting to be changed, expecting to look different to how we entered this room. And as a church, we're saying there's five values that are going to really demonstrate how we look. If you want to know who good first are, this is what they look like. It's these five values. And they are that we love God, that we love Gothenburg, that we love gathering, the gathering, the church, that we love grace, and that we love the gospel. So five Gs. And we hope as we open Scripture and we, and we look, jump around a little bit, and we look at Scripture that we will be changed and we'll be shaped. So when people come amongst us, they say, well, you're, real, you're a church that really do love God. And I think if... If you came amongst us this morning during worship, you'll see this is a people who love God. There's a passion here about God. There's a passion here about grace, about the gospel, about church, about Gothenburg. And so as we kick off this series, I want to pray. I want to pray for us, and I want to encourage you. Come this morning and come to this series ready to be changed, ready to be shaped. We, scripture is alive, and it's ready to change us. And the question is, are we ready to let it change us? Are we humble to come to Scripture and say, change me? I want to pray for us that Scripture will do that. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you are just so moving amongst us this morning. Just, uh, just to worship, actually, how it's going to so link into what I'm going to be sharing this morning. And I just pray for us as a, as a church. I pray for visitors that are amongst us. I pray for visitors that will come amongst us, Lord. That they will see and be shaped and that we will see and be shaped by Scripture. God, I really pray this, that we will leave this room different to how we arrived in it. And as we go through this value series, as we continue past that, as we go through the years, Lord, I pray may we be known as a people who love God, a people who love this amazing city, who love the gathering, who love the gospel, who love the gospel of grace. Jesus, just speak to us. Lord, I just pray, like, I just pray we speak through me as we open the scriptures together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, do you want to open them to Mark 12? It's where we're going to be focusing uh, this morning. And today's topic, I think it's not an exaggeration to say that this is central to Christianity. This is kind of like the lifeblood of Christianity. I would go as far as to say that if we get this wrong, then we are missing the point of Christianity. It's extremely, in one hand, simple, but it is impossibly Difficult, what we are looking at today. Simple enough for a child to understand. So complicated, so difficult for the wisest person to just struggle with. It's about loving God. We're a church who loves God. So if you've got your Bibles open at Mark 12, it's going to appear on the screen behind me. Uh, NIV, I think, will be behind me. But Mark 12, verse 28. I will get there myself. Okay, Uh, Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing 
that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him him any more questions. So here we've got a meeting with a friendly scribe, I'll describe. Often we think Jesus, as he meets the Pharisees, as he meets the scribes, they're angry and they're confrontational, and often they are. But in this situation, we've got a scribe who's coming to Jesus, hearing that he has answered some questions well, and wanting to know what Jesus thinks about something. A scribe would have been kind of like a mixture between a theologian and a lawyer, looking at the Torah, looking at all the commandments of the Torah, all the hundreds of commandments in the Torah, and basically they'd be looking at it, okay, well, which one is heavy? Which one is light? Which one is essential? Which one doesn't require so much work? This is kind of their job. They get into the bottom of the great, important commandments. Which ones are heavy? Which ones are light? That's the job of a scribe. And so it comes as no surprise that hearing this wise guy, Jesus, the scribe's like, okay, well, interested to know what you think the greatest commandment is. What do you think the heavy commandment is? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds very interestingly. He doesn't kind of say, you fool, all the commandments are great. It's all breathed out from God. It's all great. He replies by saying, no, there is a great commandment. This is the greatest. And if you've ever played this wonderful game of Jenga, you'll know this to be true. All the bits of Jenga, blocks, are the same material. They're the same size. They're the same weight. Yet some of them are greater than others. Some of them are more central than others. So if we push this one out, this is going to be disastrous if it goes wrong. I've been practicing this with the boys. If we take this one out, the structure's still there. And so there's some things that we read in Scripture that are important, breathed out by God, but they don't really affect the whole structure. So Paul says to Timothy, go and get my cloak when, you know, when you're on the way. And it's like, well, is that kind of like a really weighty Scripture? Are we going to be a church? That, is that one of our values, the, kind of the, the cloak getters? Important, but not holding so much weight. There's other... What do you do? You put it there, don't you? There's other scriptures, commands, that are central to Christianity. And they're like the bottom bits of Jenga. And if you take one, two... I mean, that's amazing. That's never happened before. <laughs> Let's say three. <laughs> all, of, all of Christianity falls down. There is no longer Christianity. And we talk about that sometimes, like Jenga. We also talk about it in blood, pen, and pencil beliefs. There's some pencil beliefs. And us in this room will have different pencil beliefs. We could maybe talk about should Christians go to war or not? 
Some would say yes, some would say no. And that's okay. We can have different opinions on that. That's fine. Maybe you'll change my mind. Maybe I'll change your mind. We'll rub it out. We'll change it. There's pen beliefs. Things that as a church, we say, no, we stand in this. Eldership leading the church. The way we worship. But there'll be other churches that say, okay, we'll do it slightly different. And that's fine. It's not a problem. It's a pen belief. And maybe we'd even end up rubbing that out one day. We'd, we, we want to open scripture and learn. If we've got something wrong, a pen belief wrong, we want to change. We want to be humble and ready to change. You'd probably still see a bit of the pen, but we'd have changed it. And there's blood beliefs, these bottom Jenga beliefs. Jesus is divinity. You take that out, there's no Jenga. There's no Christianity. It is central. And what Jesus responds to the scribe with is a bottom piece of Jenga, if you like. This is the greatest commandment. This is what it is to be a Christian. This is what it is to be a Jew. So if you want to turn with me to Deuteronomy, chapter 6, very quickly, if you can find it, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then chapter 6, or you can put a bookmark there, (laughs) preparation. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is what uh, we can read in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your strength. This is called the Shema. This is something that is at the absolute heart of what it means to be a Jewish person. The Shema. Hear is what the word means. And this is something that they would have quoted, this prayer, morning and evening. In fact, if we continue to read verse 6 of chapter 6, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, around the dinner table, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, in the morning, in the evening. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Anyone up for Shema tattoo? Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. These were central, this prayer was central to what it was to be a Jew. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's probably a bit similar to the Lord's Prayer as a Christian. I don't think there's many of us that would read it morning and evening, but it's something that's well known within Christianity. The Jews, every day, morning, evening, everywhere, Shema. Hear, O Israel, listen, the Lord is one. Loving God is to be at the absolute heart of God's people. It's absolutely central to who the Jews are and who we are as Christians. But notice, uh, before he talks about, uh, Jesus talks about the command uh, and the scripture in Deuteronomy 6, They talk not about what to do, but who God is. So Deuteronomy 6 and Mark 12, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How does Jesus answer the question, greatest commandment? He tells the scribe who God is. That's fundamental and really important that we understand that because knowing who God is produces a passion to follow him. When we see his goodness, we want to follow him. When we feel his love, we want to be with him. It's exactly what Yvonne shared. 
We want to spend time with him. Why? Because he is so loving. Because he is so good. Why would I not want to spend time with such a loving, amazing father? And here what we see is that God is one. At the time, in Deuteronomy, Moses' time, it was unheard of to worship just one God. In Jesus' time, it was unheard of to worship just one God. Today, it's reasonably common. Thanks to the success of Christianity, Islam, the major religions of the world worship one God. So it's pretty normal for us. Back then, this was crazy thinking. There was loads of gods. Okay, so you go to battle with your God on your side against the enemy with the God on their side, and whoever wins the battle, well, it's clearly that's the God that we worship. It's obvious. That's the winning, the powerful God. So we worship them. Nina and I watch the Viking series, and they always talk about all the different gods, and it's literally what they say. So when we get to, like, Daniel, and we see uh, Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar tells his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, approximately, kind of worship before my God, it would be shocking for them to, why are you not worshipping? Nebuchadnezzar's thinking, why are you not worshipping this golden idol, this statue that I have made? We have defeated you. You worship my God. That's just how it works. And they're like, no. Because we worship the one God. Our God is one. Isaiah 45 says this, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. God is unique. There is no other. God is holy. He is separate. He is apart from us. In fact, the scribe response, there is no other but him. You're right, absolutely. There's no other but God. The scribe kind of like says, yeah, Jesus, you're right on this one. There's no other but God. God is unique. He sits above. He sits apart. He is one. He is above it all. It's so important that we know who God is because as we learn who God is, as we see his otherness, as we see his father heart, you know, God desires your good. He is a father. As we see that he is almighty, he is able, creators of the heavens and the earth, he is able, he is almighty. As we see that he is love, that he is good, that he is merciful, that he is slow to anger, as we see all these incredible attributes of who God is, we can only respond in worship. It's a great book. I just want to do a book plug here, Incomparable by Andrew Wilson. If you've not read it, uh, I'd really encourage you to get home and read it. It's a whole bunch of small chapters. Sorry, get home and order it. It's a whole bunch of small chapters talking about the character of God. In fact, it says this, God most high, the Lord, I am, Yahweh, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of heaven and earth. There can be no greater inspiration, no other reason for worship, and no stronger motivation to live well. It's a great book, well worth getting. Short kind of like bite-sized chapters about the character of God. You want to be motivated? you want to know who God is? It's a great place to start. It really is. But he is one. And knowing that produces inside of us a passion to follow his commands. So I want to encourage you, get to know who God is. Read scripture. 
worship him, pray, spend time with him in the nature outdoors, get to know who God is. And when we understand who he is, we get to follow him. And so Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus here answers the question clearly. Is there a great command? Or are they all equal? Yeah, no, this is the greatest command. Love God. A Christian, friends, is someone who loves God. Simply defined. Someone who is passionate, head over heels, in love for God. That's how I would describe a Christian, define a Christian very simply. Love God. Someone who loves God. And so Jesus says, love God with all, okay, which can be translated as your whole, everything. Okay? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Your whole, your whole, your whole, your whole. All, 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 all. Love God with everything. What Jesus gives here is a total response of love. Everything. Give God everything. The way that we use our bodies, the way that we think, our desires, the way that we spend money, the way we spend our time, the way we raise our kids, the way we drive to work, the way we speak to our colleagues at work, the way we pour a cup of tea, everything is an outworking of love for God. All, 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 all. This is what it is to be a Christian, friends. Everything should have as its root and its goal a service and an act of love for God. This isn't a part-time hobby. This isn't a come on a Sunday morning and we'll have a bit of time loving God and then we'll kind of put him in the trunk of the car. No, this is a every day, every minute, every decision, every desire, every part of your body, every part of your life thing. Worship God. Love him. We say there is nothing greater than you. We say, good first. We say, you first. We also say Christ central. <laughs> kind of works. God first. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues. He says this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And again, if we jump to uh, the Old Testament, to Leviticus this time. Uh, so Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, chapter 19. Uh, we read this in verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. How many commands did the scribe ask for? One. Thank you. One person. Good. Yes. The scribe asked for one command. How many did Jesus give the scribe? Two it seems. It seems that he gives him two commands. Love God and love people. And you're sort of thinking, well, Josh, I thought you said five Gs, God, loving God, and then loving Gothenburg, loving people. Isn't that next week's preach? Well, for Jesus, you can't separate them. What Jesus does is something that we don't think has ever been done before. He takes Leviticus, love your neighbor, he takes uh, Deuteronomy, love God, and he puts them together. 
and we don't think that has been done before. And Jesus' point is very, very simple. You can't do one without the other. You cannot love God and despise people. It just doesn't work. He brings them together to make that point. So the Shema must be completed by loving your neighbor. Super, super important that we get this, that he brings them together. We demonstrate loving God by loving our neighbor. It's like the Shema with legs, if you like. How do we practically live this out? can be a little bit theoretical. No, this is how we practically live it out. We love one another. We love our neighbor. And if we're in any doubt of who our neighbor is, is it kind of like the nice Christian sitting next to me today? Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 10. And he talks about someone called the good, good Samaritan. Now again, if you put those two words together, good and Samaritan, a bit like one God, lots of people are going to be looking at you confused. Because the Samaritans were certainly not good. They were bad. Yet Jesus puts them together. And he talks about a good Samaritan. And what he says about this Samaritan is, that is your neighbor. In other words, your enemy is your neighbor. The one that you despise, the one that you would cross the street to get away from, that is your neighbor. Talks about that in Luke 10, in the same context, talking about the greatest commandment. Who is your neighbor? The good Samaritan, the enemy. The ones for us who aren't friendly. You know those ones? The ones that aren't kind. The ones that aren't easy to talk to. The ones that park in the barn parking, even though they have a sports car and no kids. The ones who stand too close to you when it's supposed to be a whole arvstond of 1.5 meters. The ones that have different political views to you. The ones who are on the other side of the spectrum. The ones that have different sexuality, different views on gender. Love your neighbor. We uh, drove back uh, through Berry Quen yesterday in the dark, and on the right there was a church. Never seen it before. So it's dark. And there's this church just all lit up. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. I've never seen a church there. And the reason, I think, I've never seen it is because I've always driven through Berriquan in the light. And so because it's light, I just didn't notice it. It's behind a few trees, and you just didn't notice it. When the darkness came, the light shone. And I just, I said to me, oh, there's a church there. Amazing. But in the light, you don't really see the church. It's when the darkness falls that the church shines brightly. So in a funny way, we should rejoice that it is dark. We should rejoice that there are people who have wildly different beliefs to us, wildly different views to us. Why? Because we're a city on a hill. We're a lamp on a lampstand. God has called us, Jesus has called us to be a people who you can't just drive past and not see because it's light everywhere. No, but he's called us to be a people who shine. 
That's who we are. And actually, the church was beautiful. It's this beautiful church. The church is supposed to look beautiful in the darkness. It's supposed to be a place of hope for the hopeless. Love for the unloved. I, uh, I uh, recently have kind of got really excited by the band, the rock band Queen, which I never have before. And it's because of a, uh, a film called Bohemian Rhapsody. And it talks about, it follows Freddie Mercury. Yeah, 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 sorry. Uh, it follows Freddie, so I was listening there, and I was also getting a bit emotional, and maybe I forgot his name as well. Uh, it followed Freddie Mercury, and this is a guy who has everything, or had fame, world-renowned fame, money, incredible voice. He had everything. Yet he was a guy who was just incredibly broken. Uh, watching the film, I was like, I, I find it really hard to cry watching films. I well but I never kind of release. I welled a lot, but I didn't release. But it just so affected me. Because this is a guy who, on the face of it, has absolutely everything, yet behind that is completely lost. It's completely broken. Confused with his sexuality. Freddie Mercury needed love. He needed people to love him. He needed people to care for him. And friends, God is putting people like him in our lives. People who we would look at and kind of disagree with a lot of the things that they do. But it's putting them in our lives so that we will love them. So that we will be the light. So that when they need hope, they can come. God has called us, very simply, to be a people who love. Love your neighbor. Do not judge your neighbor. No, love. Love your neighbor. Incredibly simple, impossibly difficult. I will mess up on this all the time. I will definitely get angry at the next sports car I see in the barn park airing. I will. And I will subtly like, go some elbows if anyone's standing too close to me in the queue at the a grocery store or whatever. We're a work in process, aren't we? the grace of God. God gives us new chances, new chances, new chances. But I want to encourage us. How do we love God? We love our neighbor. God has called us to be a people who love, a people who shine in the darkness, not a people who we can just drive past and ignore. Some of us perhaps prefer loving God. Perhaps we prefer our, sort of our quiet time in the morning with a cup of coffee and opening the scriptures and just being alone with God. Or looking forward to the daily Bible study that Alid's going to be doing, 5 to 6 a.m. every day. Signing up to that. Yeah. Okay, we just love spending time with God. But people, hmm, not so much. Others of us love spending time with people. Kind of small groups back on, yeah, community, love it. Fika, why did it have to end? Oh, open the Bible. Mm. God has called us 
to be a people. Jesus has called us to be a people that don't pull those two apart. We can't just be a people who love God without being a people who love one another, who love their neighbor. Jesus brings them together. This is where Christianity is at. What's a Christian? Someone who loves God. How does that look? They love their neighbor. Boy, yeah, they have different views, for sure. They op- they, I mean, they open the Bible, and there's some of the things that they believe. I mean, they're, they're mad, but I've never felt such warmth from someone. Even though they don't agree with me necessarily, they clearly love me. I'm welcome. Love God. Love your neighbor. Over the next weeks, we are going to really explore what that means, to be a people who love God. Kind of everything flows from this position. Loving God, we love the church, the gathering. Loving God, we love the gospel. We love Gothenburg. We love our family, our friends, our colleagues. Everything kind of goes from that. But even past the value series that we're doing, we're going to continue to explore this theme because this is the theme of Christianity. It's the heart of Christianity, to love God. And so we, we will explore it. We will learn about it. We'll put it into action. We'll get it wrong. We'll, we'll get it right. But we're going to explore it. I love the way Mark ends this uh, little bit of scripture. Maybe, Al, could you come up? If you are coming up, is that right? And Alvin as well. Uh, uh, yeah, so the way uh, Mark finishes this scripture, well said, verse 32, Mark 12. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, all your understanding and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's more important than everything else, burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God and from then on no one dared ask him any more questions. What Mark does is he leaves it open-ended. This scribe kind of like appears before Jesus and then disappears. And I think what we can see there is that this isn't just about a scribe 2,000 years ago asking Jesus what is the greatest command, but we ourselves find our place in that story. We get drafted in. We become the scribe and we stand next to Jesus and we say, Jesus, What is the greatest commandment? What will you want me to do with my life? I'm confused. I've been studying, like the scribe, the Torah, looking at the heavy, the light. I've got no kind of vision on my life. What would you say? Jesus would say this. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And love people. So we draft, get drafted into the story. John, as we are going to sing now, John just finishes uh, one of his letters in chapter 4, the first letter, I think, by saying this, friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God. We are born of God. We are sons, daughters of God. How do we represent him well today and into the future? We love God with everything, all, 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 four times, whole, everything. And we love people. We love our neighbor, our enemy, whoever that may be. 
I'm going to pray and we're going to respond in worship. I just want to, as I sort of started off, just want to so encourage us, let's get back into that place of worship. Let's get back into a place of saying, God, I love you. I want to spend some time. We've got 10 minutes or so before we need to pick kids up for those that have that. Let's enjoy God together.